Matthew chapter 28, 19 and 20 holds these words of Christ. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. These are words that are most likely familiar to us and are given to us as the people of God. We come to these words with hearts that are often unsure of what that call means. But that call begins right here, right here in our backyard as we, um, as we step out in faith and seek to serve. You may have seen some folks this morning wearing some fluorescent green shirts with some turquoise blue writing that said, Serve Coweta on it. And you may have been here last week to hear Bill and Melanie Reeves speak about the 17,000 in Coweta County who are in need. 17,000 right here. The words of the Great Commission may not say, Pull up weeds. It may not say mow the lawn, or it may not say help move boxes and help move a family to a new place. But in these words are the love of Christ, and the love of Christ is expressed in many, many ways, and we teach often by what we do. Through Serve Coweta, I was blessed to be able to go and to actually meet with a family who is part of this church, a a family that was in need of help and who... Um, is in need of more help tomorrow if you are available and want to volunteer and step out in faith and help someone um, in our community, not just in our community, but in our church. If you'll speak with me afterwards, I'll be glad to give you the details. But through Surf Coweta, we have stepped out time and time again to show people the light of Christ as we walk as children of the light. When we carry that light with us, we shine light into the darkness of depression and despair of hopelessness, of loss, and of simply just someone needing just a, a nicer front yard. I, I think you'll hear in a little bit the impact um, that a similar project has brought. And you heard from Connor as he spoke about how he liked pulling up the weeds. Now, I'm not sure the kids liked it when I told them that I would tell their parents they knew how to pull weeds and mow the lawn. But... Um, but no, they, they had good hearts about it. They enjoyed doing that. They enjoyed bringing smiles. And, um, and so there are many ways that we fulfill, we fulfill the Great Commission as we are called to serve. On Youth Choir this summer, our youth had an opportunity to engage in mission with some churches in the Ohio area. And now Evan Carden and Katie Beth Williams are going to come up, and they're going to share with us about their experiences. Morning. Uh, I'm Evan, and this past summer we went to Canton, Ohio on a choir tour under the theme of Promises of Hope. Choir tour is the week that is most looked forward to for a lot of the choir at the start of summer. It's the time to hang out with good friends and make good memories. On the tour we did so much, like going to Cedar Point and mission work at a church and, and Refuge of Hope. Also helping out at Salvation of Army, Salvation Army, and of course spreading the word of God through our music in, in so many beautiful churches along the way. So many things happened on the trip, but most impactful week or event at, on I'm sorry, most impactful event was some mission work at a church I did. The senior and junior teams had arrived at the Sherrick Road Church of God with a dry 
with a dry garden full of weeds and plants with, with plants with little life out front. Our job was to clear it of the weeds and lay down some new mulch. My only motivation was, was wanting to see the lifeless garden and see it through a new one. The task wasn't too hard, but it was backaching with having to stay bent down and pulling at the weeds along with shoveling tens of pounds of mulch every few minutes. Something I learned that day, that there's a great feeling doing all that work. This experience changed the way I looked upon helping others, and it's a huge blessing having able to help others, so I'd like to encourage all of you to serve your community sometime this week or next. I have a Bible verse here, and in everything I did, I showed you by that I showed you that by this kind of work, of hard work, we must help the weak. And remembering the words the Lord Jesus himself said, it's more blessed to give than to receive. Acts chapter 20, verse 35. Hello, everyone. My name is Katie Beth, and I'm a member of the youth choir here at church. I also got to be a part of the youth choir tour this past summer. It was my first choir tour, and I am so glad that I got to experience such a powerful week with God. Choir tour is about sharing the works of God through music. This past summer, we took a bus around Ohio, singing for different churches and retirement homes, ultimately spreading the power of Christ. Not only did we get to communicate the love of God through music, we were also able to illustrate the compassion of Christ through mission work. These were open for mission work in Canton, Ohio, during the trip. We were split into groups, some people going to Refuge of Hope to clean up the shelter and prepare dinner, while others were taken to the Salvation Army to help the volunteers. I, along with a few others, worked with a church, Sherrick Road Church of God, in Canton. We were instructed to do yard work, pulling weeds, laying down mulch, in order to make the church a more welcoming place for the community. I was motivated by the opportunity to improve the church's membership, giving the kind staff at Sherrick Road the ability to spread the power and word of God to a broken community. The experience was eye-opening for me. It was the first time I had participated in hands-on work directly with a community such as this. Not only did I share the power and compassion of Christ, but I was rewarded with positive memories as well. One memory that changed me during the mission opportunity involves a couple kids, their bikes, and some cool tricks. After a couple hours of pulling weeds and laying down mulch, a few kids started riding their bikes around the church perimeters. Some of the youth choir members began to reach out to the kids, taking turns riding the bikes and giving the kids leftover popsicles from one of our breaks. At one point, we all stood around and cheered as a brave risk-taker attempted tricks on his bike. You could see the enthusiasm in his eyes as we all encouraged him. This experience directly showed me that the compassion and friendship we give into the community really does help. It gives people a reason to smile and might even encourage those impacted to help others as well. Serving the community gives you an opportunity to touch the lives of others, giving them motivation to make change and be kind. I cannot thank the coordinators of our mission work in Canton, Ohio, enough for giving me the chance to help others. Thank you. I feel sure if you ask any of our youth who went on that trip that they would be able to share with you similar stories. So I encourage you, find out what we're doing. Um, Craig Bryan is a member of our staff and, and was one of our staff leaders and on our Guatemala trip, which involved families, and he was given a nickname that I'll let you share, I'll let you share with them. Um, but he is going to come up and tell us about our Guatemala trip that, that occurred in the spring. She had to bring up the nickname. Um, Behold, the kingdom of God is at hand. It's one of the first things Jesus said to us when he began his ministry. 
And hearing the words from choir tour and knowing what happened in some of the other locations just reinforces all that. Um, Guatemala was never a place I imagined I would go to uh, on a mission trip, but the opportunity came up. And I want to thank you personally as a church body for the contributions that you make toward the budget that cares for mission work. I want to thank you personally for the extra money in supporting uh, our missions that you give in buying t-shirts and just making contributions. We had whole families that were able to go to Guatemala uh, because of their own resources, but a lot of because of what you did to help defray those costs. So I was part of a 19-member team, and uh, we flew into Guatemala, and immediately you notice that the infrastructure of these countries is very poor. I mean, to get a short distance away, you have a long bus ride. <laughs> and we rode in a, in a school bus that a local school provided our transportation and our meals. We partnered with an organization called Casas por Cristo, uh, Houses for Christ. And they know very well the local structures, the schools that are there, and the ministries that are there. And they select candidates uh, to have a house built for them. So our, our uh, person that we worked with was a lady named Gloria. She was about four feet seven tall. Uh, she had a daughter, 16 years old, and they shared a brick, a mud brick uh, hut with 13 other people. The size of this place was maybe 10, 10 by 20. And so we built a wooden structure for them. You would think it was your tool shed if it was at your property. For them, it was an 18 by 21 home with very cheap Luan walls making three rooms inside. And it was for these two ladies, Gloria and her 16-year-old daughter, such a freeing, liberating, glorious moment to be able to live in a structure with a cement floor with cheap Luan walls instead of living on a dirt floor with just a simple doorway. Just a little bit, just a little bit went a long way. Um, I'm so thankful that God sent those families. It's such a blessing when you work with your families in mission work. You get to see your children doing things you can't imagine they would do, like, you know, she's talking about cutting the grass and all, but to see them pouring cement, mixing and pouring cement with their own hands is absolutely incredible. I don't want to forget anything here. Um, education is something that really jumps out when you go into a third world country like Guatemala. We hear our children complain about having to go to school. And we remember those days, too. And we I don't want to go to school today. Uh, school's in August. What is it? August the 3rd? What, what? School? And we complain. In Guatemala, when they're 12, that's their last year of public education. And after that, they have to raise the money themselves. We met people that were trying very hard to better themselves, to learn English as a second language having to ride a bus for 45 minutes to get to a school that they had to pay for out of their own pockets. Um, one such kid was named Kevin, 19 years old, very bright, um, 
approached me wanting to practice his English. And I learned from him what the difficulty was in trying to just take English lessons. His dream is to be able to work in a call center. One of those people that, you know, they call us at home and we don't want to talk to them. (laughs) But Kevin wants to learn enough English that he can work in a call center. Because that's like the pinnacle he can see of his life from a tiny village in Guatemala. And so there are people like that that we have reached out to and that we're supporting to help fund their schooling. You think, oh, how much could that cost? For six months, it's like $45 U.S. To them, it's a huge amount of money. It's like a week's whole salary or a month's whole salary in some cases, depending on the classes. So, yes, the kingdom of God is all around us. It's, it's here in our own community. It's internationally in places like Guatemala. I'm just thankful that you allowed me to be part of such a team. Thank you. You can ask him about the nickname later. So we know him now as Abuelo Loco as well. <laughs> um, we are so blessed to be able to carry God's word into many places, one of which is Kenya. And I'm going to invite Bonnie Kreider and David Kenray to come forward and tell us about our latest trip there and give us an update on our peace, pre- peace preacher group. That's kind of hard to say. <laughs> Good morning, everyone. I'm Bonnie Kreider, um, and I had the wonderful privilege of traveling to Kenya this past July to visit with our Zoe group, the Peace Preachers. Uh, Many of you already know that I love to travel. I will go anywhere with anyone. Um, So I'm going to be honest and tell you that originally my motivations were to check another country off the bucket list. Um, But I was pretty optimistic. Um, I had high hopes um, based on the reports that our friends Joanne, Brooke, and Julie came back from Kenya with on their first trip. They came home raving about this new and different idea, and I've always been a bit skeptical of the impact of mission work and and relief effort. Um, What I learned in Kenya is that the Zoe model has an amazing return on investment, and we want to think about how far our dollar goes. The money that our church donates empowers 100 children, Um, in various family sizes, um, and they're trained in how to care for themselves, build lives of their own, um, and every single dollar is used frugally, um, and the amount spent per child is amazingly small. Our children would never survive on the amount of money that we spend on these kids. But once the heads of household have been trained in the basics of hygiene, agriculture, and the business model, Zoe provides them with a small account for the working group, and the kids decide together who's going to to receive those funds for training or for small inventories for their shops or kiosks. Um, So not only are we investing in these children, creating their own lives for themselves, we're also putting this investment into this community. Um, These are remote villages that are very unlikely to have those kinds of assets. Um, Reagan, the Zoe leader, um, the man in charge, and his team um, go in thinking of their exit plan. They, They... 
go in in the mindset that they're going to leave these kids to create their own lives, write their own stories um, before any of the money comes in. These teenagers and children have relied on other people their entire lives, and the Zoe team has this plan to teach them how to care for themselves, how to make their own decisions, um, and they give them the autonomy over that bank account, and it's incredible to see what they can do on their own with just a little bit of training. The Peace Preachers have now been together for just over a year. Each family group has at least one source of steady income. Every school-aged child is back in school um, with the supplies and the uniforms and the fees that they need paid. Every child has a safe place to rest their head at night. They were proud to lay a feast before us that would have cost approximately a week's salary. Um, they laid it out and were very, very generous with their gifts, with their food, and um, with their harvest and the goods that they could have made lots of money off of. The leadership of the group spoke confidently, and their whole group exuded joy. Um, it's truly hard to put into words. We sang, we tried to dance, um, and I've attended many meetings in my life, but none of them were this great. <clears throat> just to think, over a year ago, or just over a year ago, most of them were scrounging to survive. They were hungry. They were trying to support siblings after the loss of one or both parents. Today, in that village, the Zoe children stand out. They are put together. They are clean than everyone else, including the adults around them. They are leaders in their community, and they are successful, generous, and joyful. The intricacies of the Zoe implementation program are very thought out and constantly adapting to the culture of that community where it's being put into action. I actually really love that the American team is in charge of fundraising and marketing. Make money, bring in money, and go get some more. And the people in charge of the implementation are, are real Kenyans. They are social workers who grew up in villages just like these orphans are in. They just had the benefit of of having a family that could support them through college. So they're very much more like the orphans than we are. Um, Reagan and the, the leader of Zoe Kenya will tell you that the strength of that Zoe model comes from the adaptability of it all. If something isn't working, it's deemed unnecessary, um, they have the power to change it. They don't have to get our approval for that. One of my favorite experiences of the week was watching a new group being formed. I was prepared for the worst. Um, no one gets excited about seeing hungry, hopeless children. Um, but then one of the girls, even just at the very beginning, opened the meeting in prayer, and I started to see the hope that began to shine in the room. Um, they met in a one-room wooden church building. Um, the kids sat in a circle. Some of them hadn't even been approved for the program yet. Some of them were too old. Some of them had parents, but they all were hopeless. Um, within the next hour, I watched as words were exchanged and optimism began to sneak into their hearts. Maybe I really can get better. Maybe my family and I won't stay poor and hungry. Maybe I can be successful. Maybe I can do this. Um, I didn't get a full translation of the meeting, but I think that this new group chose their name wisely, um, the Hope Group. And what happened in that room was definitely a God thing. Christianity is already widespread in Kenya. Um, many of those children grew up singing hymns, reading Bible verses. Um, but I'm willing to bet that many of them didn't have faith in those words until they saw this, this plan in place. The social workers don't preach to the kids. They are very non-coercive in their, their model of Christianity. They teach them the Lord's Prayer and then kind of leave it up to the Lord. It's really incredible. Um, 
so it's very clear each group is a model of how Christians are supposed to act. They, they serve and they are compassionate just like Jesus. They deeply care for one another. Um, they invest literally in each other's hopes and dreams. And um, once they're on their feet, they extend that love and compassion out to the rest of their community. They care for the elderly, adopt other orphans, and live their lives as a recle- reflection of Christ. The Zoe Project really gathers a lot of lost, fe- lost sheep into the fold. Almost every success story we got to hear was told by a young adult who was humbled and in awe of how far they had come, stressing that everything they have they owe to God. I'll leave you with one such story before I pass it over to Dave. We spent most of the week in a hotel called the Equator Hotel. It's near the equator. And it's probably the only Western-style hotel in the area, so there's always a lot of uh, mission teams and, and muzungus, white people, around. Um, and they, so there were a lot of ga- vendors around trying to sell tchotchkes and souvenirs for us to, to bring home. Um, Reagan, upon our arrival, arranged for one group of sales ladies to come inside the gates of the hotel to sell their things. They were Zoe graduates who, had had a, who have a successful uh, dress shop in town. Of course, we naturally wanted to give them everything we could and buy everything that we could to bring home to our family from our people. So we bought skirts and dresses and bags and shirts and aprons and placemats and pastor stoles, anything we could think of. They had an array of colorful fabrics. It was a tough choice. They had all kinds of styles. Um, so we, we invested in their business. Um, toward the end of our trip, we had some extra time at the hotel, and we had the opportunity to hear some of the young ladies' testimonies. One in particular stood out to me. Damaris was a soft-spoken but very good English speaker, um, and she was obvious. She had an obvious command of sewing, was a, you know quick measure, nimble fingers, and was obviously a leader in her group. She started by telling us how what her life was like before Zoe, and she was working as a house girl, which is a sort of maid nanny servant for a family, um, making less than a dollar a day um, to care for herself and her two younger siblings. Less than a dollar a day. It's just incredible to me. She heard about Zoe and became part of a group. And what's most impressive is what happened after graduation. Damaris seemed earned such an income that she could pay not only for her, her siblings to finish school, but she sent one of her sisters to med school to be a doctor. Incredible. Um, and almost as an afterthought, she shared with us that she was engaged to be married. So naturally, the women in the group, all of a sudden, what's his name? What's he like? How's he doing? Have you set a date yet? You know, those things that you, that you consider you, what's a wedding ceremony like in Kenya? We just were wanted to know. She beamed as she patiently shared with us all of the details that she could. And I couldn't help but sit back and think, like, this could be happening in a Starbucks. This could be happening in my living room at home. This could happen anywhere in the world. And for someone to come from... Um, to come from such poverty and such struggles um, and then to share that universal joy of sharing love and a wedding ceremony and of you know pride in their sister's accomplishments um, it's just incredible so if Zoe can bring that one sheep into the fold from starving to success story it's all worth it just imagine how that multiplies to the hundred families in her group the hundred children in her group, hundreds of groups currently in Kenya, and then to the four and five countries that Zoe works in currently. Our God is so good. Here's Dave. Thank you, Bonnie. Acts 4, verse 20 says, As for us, we cannot help speaking about what God, about what we have seen and heard. Such is the case with all that we saw and heard while in Kenya this summer, and why I want to share a personal story with you this morning. 
Not knowing exactly why I was called to go to Kenya, God put me right where I needed to be on Saturday morning, June 23rd. Our team went to visit the Peace Preachers, our working group that we sponsor. We were greeted with singing and dancing. Side note, Carolyn made a beeline for me as she could see I needed help. She stuck with me all morning, and for those of you that know me well, I do not have the moves, nor could I, as she tried tirelessly all morning, but to no avail. It just was. Our Noonan group then sat with our peace preachers in a circle, and we introduced ourselves, and we listened to the progress that they had made in the last year as their leaders spoke to us. Their secretary, Eric, read the minutes from the past meetings. He is 19 years old, and he looks after his younger sister. He owns and runs a Kenyozi, which is a barber shop, in the market of Antibetwe. He was smartly dressed, and he spoke with conviction. His smile and personality were contagious, and I was immediately drawn in by all that he said. Following the meeting, we were fed a sacrificial, amazing lunch by these kids. I was reintroduced to Fanta Soda. It was so good. <laughs> Eric sat down behind me, and he said, I need to share something with you. I'd like you to know what my father's name was. He looked at me and said, my father's name was David. He told me that he never knew his dad and that he only knows of him through photos. He died when Eric was two, and I was so moved that he wanted to share this with me. I told him that his father is proud of him and that this David is incredibly proud of you. Later that morning, I asked Eric where the nearest restroom was. He took me on a long journey up a hill through a cornfield and into a clearing where there were two men sitting in chairs, one holding an automatic rifle. I'm not sure what their position in the community was, but Eric told me to wait, which I gladly did. He went to speak with them. Eric then motioned for me to come on over. And the man with the rifle shook my hand while asking Eric who his friend was. He told, them that my, he told them my name, and he smiled. And the gentleman asked me, please use our toilet, which was basically an outhouse. I, I saw firsthand the respect that Eric had in the community. Not only that, but this Mzungu, this white guy, which is Swahili for foreigner, was shown hospitality in a most simple and yet profound way. On the way back to the group, Eric shared with me his testimony. Growing up, he was so jealous of the other children he saw playing with their fathers. He didn't think it was fair and would ask his mom often, why don't I get to have a father, a father to talk to? I want a father. Before his mother passed away, she would tell him someday, you will come to know your heavenly father. She prayed this for him every day until she passed away. He said before Zoe that he never knew who God or Jesus was. He was grateful for Zoe and for all that he has now. And he was so thankful that God brought us together. By then I had tears in my eyes. He told me he was dreaming of owning his own home 
having a family, and the best barber shop in the community. He also dreams of coming to America one day, and I told him that I have no doubt that these dreams will come true. Our church's partnership with Zoe empowers orphans like Eric to become completely self-sufficient. I believed in the program before, but now after meeting Eric and the rest of the peace preachers, I am convinced that what we are giving, and more importantly receiving, through this partnership is exactly what God intends for us, living in such a way that the love of Jesus might be known to all. Thank you all. These are vital experiences. Through the Great Commission, God sends us out into the world, promising to be with us always until the end of time. That's a lot of time and space, and it can be hard to comprehend. No matter who we are, when we've lived, or what we can accomplish, each of us has a role to play in expanding the kingdom of God. Sometimes we think being faithful means, um, means hopping on a plane and going to Kenya. And sometimes we don't even know that that's part of our faith journey. We may start off somewhere else. But for some of us, it's also stepping out right here in our community or taking a youth choir tour and stepping out in faith, becoming a kid with a purpose for a week during the summer at Kids Mission Camp. We never know what it'll be, but just like we sing in the song, Blessed Be the Tie That Binds, the blood of Christ unites us, and the mission of Christ unites us in purpose. It unites us in heart. And so I am thrilled beyond measure to be here and to be the mission's pastor at this church. There's so much that we are doing and so much we want to continue to do. If you have questions, if you want to come to a meeting, please show up. We, we want you there. We want you to be part of it. I promise you, you'll have fun. You might even do the Saturday Night Live dance while you pack meals at a Stop Hunger Now event. You never know. I see some of you have team jerseys on, others others don't. Um, but we, those, we ask you to wear those today, um, or ask that they be worn as a reminder of the team effort it takes to be part of missions. We come each with our different gifts and talents. I'm seeing a row here that has five different team shirts on it. I love it. Um, we all have our differences. God gifts each one of us uniquely. When we combine that effort together, we become a team that is unstoppable for him. <laughs> 